Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Podcast. More information about Lifehouse and our senior pastors, Richard and Helen Kabakian, can be found at lifehouse.com.au. We hope you enjoy the following message. Starting a new series today, and it's called Thrive. We're going to be unpacking the book of Philippians over the next four weeks, and um, we'd love you to read that for yourselves at home as well. The great thing about the book of Philippians is it's got four chapters, so there's four weeks, but you're going to have time to actually unpack verse by verse, not too fast, and go a bit deeper into what God has for you. I know today I could have covered so many things, but I've got a few points that I believe will encourage every single one of us. Well, thrive. It's time for us to thrive. The word thrive actually means to flourish and to grow quickly, for new things to form in our lives at a rapid rate. And um, I believe that God wants to do some new things in our hearts and that and that we can be encouraged to dream again, to start to believe God for good things that are ahead of us. What is ahead? What are you believing for? Maybe the Holy Spirit's stirring your heart and asking you what's within your heart that's coming up. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to stir us to a new thing and He wants us to thrive. You know, in 1995, Richard and I found ourselves... um, heading back to Melbourne, and we had in our hearts the desire to plant a church. We were actually going to plant it on the Sunshine Coast, but we found ourselves back in Melbourne and our dream just sort of got pushed to the side for a while. And we were living life, we were just doing our thing, and suddenly we realised we've forgotten the dream. We're stuck. We're not doing what God had really put in our hearts to do years before. And so we started to dream again. We started to pray and say, God, stir us up. Is it possible that we could actually walk into the thing that you put on our hearts so many years ago? And as we started to do that, very quickly things shifted. And within just a few months, we were helping to plant a church right here in Melbourne. And then a few years later, we planted Lifehouse Church. But we had to get ourselves unstuck. We had to dream again. We had to rally our faith and stir ourselves up to believe that God could put life back in a dream that looked like it was dead. You know, maybe if you're living in Melbourne or Victoria, you would know that we're in a bit of a season of feeling stuck. And it can be difficult to imagine the future. So many people are saying the future is going to be different. It's not going to look like what it did before. But it's hard for us to dream and imagine what God could be ready to do for us. But that's our heart, that as we dream, as we believe God for good things ahead, that we can thrive. God says, dream again. Let His hope stir up in you. Let possibility sort of bear fruit in your hearts and in your mind. I love this scripture from Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. And really, this has been the scripture that has stirred in my heart over these last six months since COVID put us into, you know, a limited life. It says this, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is making a way. He has wonderful plans for us and opportunities that we cannot imagine. 
God has plans for your relationships, for your marriage, for the relationships with your children and and the people around you. He wants them to flourish. He has new life for them. Maybe you're believing to have children, you're believing to conceive. God's saying, dream again. Let faith rise up in that space. Maybe it's a career shift or, or some new skills you're believing for and you're not sure, like, God, really, can I do this? Maybe it's finding a life partner and you've given up and God says, come on, dream again, hope, let life come back into that dream because God wants us to thrive. It can be really hard to dream when all you can see is the impossible in front of you. And we, we struggle sometimes to imagine what could be. You know, this is the picture that Ezekiel saw in a vision of the dry bones, this very, a scripture you're probably familiar with, Ezekiel chapter 37, and in front of him are these dry bones. And dry bones means really dead for a long time bones. Like they're just so dead, they're dead. There's no life. There's, the history has been written. The story is finished. There is no hope. It is a done deal. And God puts this picture before Ezekiel of these bones, this whole valley, And he says, I'm gonna give them a new heart. I'm gonna give them a new spirit. And he says, you're gonna have the words to bring life back to these bones. God asks Ezekiel, as he shows him the bones, he says, can they live? God questions Ezekiel and says, can you believe for life to come back into something that is dead? He's asking, is there hope? Is there potential? Is there possibility? I believe God's asking us the same question. Can you dream? Can you have hope? Can you see possibility? Will you look past the things that look impossible, that look dead and believe that God can bring fresh life? And God tells Ezekiel, He says, speak life into them. He says, imagine, prophesy, declare what could be. So then in verses five and six, Ezekiel does as God says. And he says, this is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter them and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to them and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. I love this. God empowers Ezekiel to speak life into these bones, to speak life into what is dead. And this is a word of encouragement to us today. I feel like heaven is rallying around us saying, come on guys, thrive, dream again, put life into things that you think are possibly dead. Rally up your faith that God can bring back what you thought was impossible. God can bring life, He can bring change and He can bring it quickly. We need to look and see and declare what God can do and expect the suddenly. This was such a quick shift for um, Ezekiel when he looked at this whole valley of bones and then it says that they rose up, the bones and then the tendons, the muscles and then the flesh and then the breath. But it happened quickly. It happened before his eyes and the Word tells us that before him he saw a vast army. And I believe God is saying to us, I can do the impossible quickly. It doesn't have to take a long time. It doesn't have to be in the time frame of what you would normally expect. I remember 
we landed in Warsaw a few years ago in Poland. And as we landed, it was just grey. And we were driving through the city, um, heading into, into the airport, into the hotel, and it was just grey. I've never seen anything so one colour, just bland. There was some snow on the ground that was a bit dirty. And then we went off on our travels, adventures, doing the things we were doing, ministering to churches. As we came back into Warsaw to fly out 10 days later, it was green, it was lush. There was blossoms in the tree, the grass in the trees, the grass was growing. There was colour everywhere. It was so transformed. And that is the suddenly of a European spring. And I believe what God wants to do in our lives after this season of feeling limited, He wants to do us suddenly. He wants to take us to the next very quickly. If we can breathe life and, and expect and, and breathe, speak into our dreams, if we can imagine again what is possible. About 10 years ago, Richard and I wanted to build a new house. We felt from God that it was, a, it was the next step for us and we went and we bought this block of land and we just felt like God was with us. It was a yes, yes, yes. And we were so excited. Next minute, we just hit roadblock over after roadblock when it came to trying to build this house. We had issues with the tenant that was living in the house that was on the block. We had issues with bulldozing the house. We had issues with putting up fences. We had issues with getting finance. We had issues with the builders and contracts with builders, at every turn, it was just impossible. And then in the middle of all that, a global crisis of um, financial crisis hit and, and our money wasn't worth what it was before. This thing was just a disaster. And we got to the point where we had given up. Two years down the track, this is not happening. This is a dream that is now dead. To us, it looked like dry bones. And we went for lunch one day to a Chinese restaurant in the city with a guest preacher who was here for Lifehouse. And we were sitting over lunch and Richard and I were describing our dry bones, our dead dream of building a home. And over lunch, um, he said, this, this preacher said to us, guys, I, I believe God can put life back into this. I think you're still meant to live in this home. Come on. And he started to rally our faith. And by the, between Entree and Maine, he'd gone and got on the phone and rung a friend. And, and then he passes me the phone and this guy's saying, send me this, send me that. And, and by the time we got to dessert, I sent off all these documents. Within a few days, he'd got back to us and things had shifted. There was possibility, there was hope. And within a very, very short time, we were, that house was being built and we were moving in and it was possible. But it took somebody to inspire us to dream again. It took somebody to help us rally our faith. And that's my heart today, that as you're listening to this message, that your faith would be rallied, that you would believe again, that you would know that you have a God who is the God of the impossible, that He can bring breakthrough where you thought it would just never happen. Because I have seen it, I have lived it, and God has blessed me through it. God wants us to grow, He wants us to flourish, and He wants us to thrive, to see rapid change and growth come into our lives. Come on, give yourselves a big cheer, give someone around you a clap or a whatever it is. Come on, make some noise because I'm making some noise right here. I'm a bit excited about this part of my message. But you know what? Philippians gives us some really practical tips or keys on how to dream again, how to bring hope and, and life into what might feel like it's finished or dead. 
And, um, you know, Philippians is a book of encouragement. It's a book that's just full of love. Paul has got this friendship, this amazing relationship with the Philippian people. So I want to just up front take a moment to understand the book of Philippians and then we're going to um, find a few points in chapter 1 that I believe will help us to dream again today. In Acts chapter 16, it actually tells us about the start of the Philippian church. Now, look, I'm sure you guys have got all of this worked out and all the answers, but sometimes I have these light bulb moments and it all falls into place. And so I thought I'd share that with those of you who might have missed it as well. But the book of Acts is like the the timeline, the, the diary of Paul as he heads out to start the churches across the earth. And then we have these letters, which are the epistles, which are the letters he sent to these churches that he had started in the book of Acts. But so often we separate them. We don't see the thread that joins them together. But Acts chapter 16 actually tells us about how this church in Philippi started. And then we have this letter that is written to those people a little bit later. So Paul first visits Philippi about 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. The church on the earth is just this beautiful young, young um, seed. And Paul is travelling, starting these churches around the earth. Philippi is a Roman colony. It's it's a city that has been built in a a, um, a hub, an economic hub of a a cross-section of roads where there's um, trade happening. It is a strong city. It's full of diverse people from diverse places. And it's very, very proud of its Romanness. It is a Roman place. The Roman government has established it. But there are some Jews there. There are people there with a Jewish heritage, but they don't have a synagogue because it's a modern city. So these people meet by the river. And Paul has heard about this. And as he comes into Philippi, he goes to talk to the Jews and to share with them about their Messiah, Jesus, coming to them. So he goes to the river. And as he's there and he's sharing the gospel, a lady called Lydia gets saved. And then she brings her whole family and they get saved and they all get baptised in the river and the church in Philippians begins. This, this church is, is full of diverse people and when we hear about it in Acts, it gives us a really clear understanding of, what, of who was in there in the beginning. First of all, we have Lydia, this woman I've mentioned. She was actually a rich merchant. She produced purple cloth. She was a Greek lady, so she was a foreigner, but she was successful in this Roman colony. The next person we hear about is the girl that, that Paul delivers of a demon that was helping, that was causing her to tell fortunes and her owners were making money off her. She's actually an Asiatic slave. She was treated like a human tool. She had no value or worth in that society at that time. And then we have Paul, after being thrown in prison because he delivered this girl of the demon, he's in prison and then an earthquake comes and God's going to rescue him from this place. And the jailer then freaks out. So Paul preaches to him and the jailer gets saved and his family as well. This jailer is a Roman. He's middle class. He's happy with the Roman economy because that's what pays his wage. So we get this picture of these different, of this quite diverse community of people, but it's all set amidst 
a hostile Roman world. And then about 12 years later, as Paul um, writes a letter to these people, this is the letter that we have today, which is the book of Philippians. And you can read within the words there that that Paul loves these people. He's connected to these people. It's not just a letter of instruction. It's actually a letter of love, a letter of friendship. He sees himself um, as part of this community. He describes that they're unified, that they're growing. It's a really healthy church, this church that he describes. That despite their diversity, despite the fact that they're in an oppressive society, that the government is, is against them, that it's difficult, this church is thriving and healthy. And the relationships that Paul's built there, they're built on friendship, they're built on love. And this actually makes the book of Philippians quite unique. It is a, it is a distinct um, letter in that it is really just a package of joy. You can tell how much Paul loves these people. And he encourages them in this letter of joy, this letter jam-packed with celebration. He encourages them to, to stay positive, to stay joyful and thankful, even in their struggle. So they're not like this because everything is great. They have this joy, even though things are difficult. In verse 18 um, of chapter 1, Paul is saying, um, he's, he's talking about the fact that some people are preaching the gospel for the sake of their own benefit, that they're manipulating the message of Jesus. And Paul's saying, doesn't matter. As long as Jesus is preached, it's going to be okay. Rejoice. I rejoice either way. That's just one example of this attitude of rejoicing, of joy. No matter what's going on, stay joyful. The interesting thing is, Paul writes this letter from prison. He is actually in Rome, in prison at the time. He's awaiting trial, which he expects will end in his death. Wow. He's saying all these amazing things, all these encouraging things to the Philippians, even though he is in prison. But he knows God can do it suddenly. And even though he knows God can do it suddenly, He also knows that God can use his limitation right now. That while he is in prison, he's actually been able to preach to the Roman guards. He's been able to have an influence on the highest levels of society in Rome. And he's thinking, wow, God, this is amazing. But remember, the first time he was imprisoned was in Philippi and God rescued him with the suddenly. So the people he's writing to Imagine the number of times they've told the story about when Paul and Silas, God brings the earthquake and the doors swing open and then the jailer gets saved. I am sure over that 12 years, they've told that story so many times. Remember? Remember when? Remember what God did? Yet here we find Paul writing to that same group of people saying, it's okay that I haven't experienced my suddenly. It's okay, even in my limitation, even in prison, God will make a way. God is with me and His purpose will be fulfilled. How encouraging is that? That our limitation is not always a bad thing, but a bad attitude and a negative perspective is a limitation. Let me say that again. A bad attitude and a negative perspective is a limitation. So when we can find joy in our present situation, when we cannot be frustrated by the limits that are around us, 
then we can dream. Then we can lift our eyes to what is ahead of us. You know, as, um, many years ago when we were in Queensland, we had nothing. We had no furniture. We'd moved there with 10 boxes, literally. And I remember laughing at myself. Like now I look back and I am a bit, bit quirky, I must say, but um, you can laugh at me. I don't mind. But what I did was I set the table, but I didn't have a table. So I got my tablecloth out and I laid it on the floor on the tiles of my kitchen. And I put out a knife and a fork and the spoons and, and the bowls. Because even in my lack, even in my limitation, I just had an attitude of joy. And you know what? It's good to do that. And it can be difficult. I know I spoke to a lady the other day and she was sharing with me the heartache at the moment, the difficulty they're having. They've had many, a few, this last few years of, has just been bad report after bad report, difficult health situations and things happening with their children and their grandchildren. And she, she was just saying, you know, it's tough. It's really hard. But I'm just praying that even as I walk this difficult journey, that God can use the way I'm living and the way I'm trusting Him to bless others. That's what I'm talking about. An attitude of joy, a perspective that even in our limitation, that God is with us. We've got to speak out joy. Let our words speak out joy. Not language of being stuck, of being in prison, of being limited, but language that says we believe God, we've got hope, we can dream again. Just like Ezekiel, that life can come into dead bones. Come on, God has got this. Well, the other thing we see in Philippians here is that Paul has a heart for people. In um, chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, there's, there's a few phrases there and he says, you have a special place in my heart. And then in eight, he says, I long for you with the tender compassion. Like this guy just is so connected to these people. He loves them with a really genuine love. And I think in this season that we've had, some of us can feel disconnected from the people we love. Some of our relationships have experienced tensions and, and um, disconnection. But I think it's time to dream again about connecting, about how we can invest in one another, how we can encourage one another. We have to shake off the small. I know, so I've heard lots of people say, oh, you know, I wanna live a smaller life. I wanna limit my busyness. I wanna not be so jam-packed. And I, I get it, I hear you. I understand that life can be full. But let's not live small lives. Let's remember what we are called to and who we are called to, that the people around us need us. You know, this, this city of Philippi was full of diverse people who'd come from all different cultures and backgrounds and, and uh, levels of society as they saw it at that time. So I'm pretty sure they would have had lots of conflicting views and opinions that everybody wouldn't have thought the same way. Yet as the church grew, we see there is this love for one another, this connection to one another, that they've learned to listen to each other, to have empathy and compassion for different points of view. And all of this was amidst an oppressive political environment. Paul's in prison. He's been imprisoned by the Romans. But he doesn't write a letter complaining about the Romans and how they're ruling the nation and what they're doing and what's wrong. No, Paul writes a letter saying, oh guys, I love you, love one another. Have faith, trust Jesus. Jesus has got this all together. Jesus is on our side. He's like sending the happiest letter in the world, yet his life 
is restricted, is difficult, the political situation is difficult. And you know what? I feel like this resonates a little bit with some of us at the moment. Here we are in this melting plot, melting pot of a city, cultures, diversity. We're so proud of that. We love the fact that Melbourne is a melting pot of different people and foods and all those things. But then we get a surprise when not everybody around us thinks the same way that we do. And COVID, I think, has really highlighted that for so many of us. We don't all think the same way. We don't all see things the same way. But God says to us, we need to love one another and live like Jesus. You know, let's not let our political frustrations or our views damage the relationships around us that are really good, that God wants us to protect and invest in and to dream again that they would flourish. Maybe there's people around you that have invested in you over time. And now in this situation, you feel like, oh, we don't, we don't see the same. God says, hang on, celebrate them. Thank them for what they've invested in you. Who, who's sown into your life along the way? Who's sown into your faith? Who's helped you to be the person that you are today? You know, I think back myself to a Sunday school teacher so many years ago who invested in my life, who helped me to grow a faith as just such a young girl. If I sat with her today, would we agree on everything? I don't know. But thank you, Jesus, for that woman that was in my life. Thank you that we know that Jesus is our Lord and Saviour. That's what we agree on and that's what's important. Time to dream again about friendships and relationships we need to invest in. Maybe there's some damage done. Maybe there's some that are a bit disjointed. Take the time to think about how you can put life back into them, how you can restore and rebuild what God has for you there. The last thing I think we can see in this, this life of this letter from Paul is his focus on Jesus. And in verse 21, he says, guys, look, whether I live or I die, it's all good. Jesus has got this. He's, he's got this attitude that, you know what? My best life is with Jesus. And if I trust him, he will make a way. So sometimes we want all the physical things to work out. But Paul's saying to us, just trust Jesus, go with Jesus, let Jesus be at the centre of your dream and He will lead you forward. You know, these dry bones that we have, as we dream into dry bones, we think, oh, I want, I want bright, shiny things, physical things. But I believe God is stirring us to the spiritual things, stirring us to make sure that when we dream, that we're dreaming about the things of eternal value, the physical value is great as well. I'm not saying they're bad, but maybe God's got some gifts in your heart. Maybe God's got some, some um, more of His Spirit that He wants you to capture and understand. And I believe they're the things that we can dream about afresh at this time. Proverbs eleven twenty eight says this, those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. The righteous. What are the things that reflect God in our hearts? The opportunities, maybe it's our spiritual capacity, our ability to hear His voice. Let's dream into those spaces. Let's thrive as people who are connected to God. So I'd encourage you to write these things down. Write down the things that you're dreaming of. Write down what God is stirring your heart for. What are the dry bones you see in your life that you think, you know what, I think God wants to put something back in those. Write them down. You know, Paul, Paul wrote the book 
of Philippians when he was chained to another person under 24-hour arrest in Rome. It sounds a bit familiar to many of us who have been in lockdown in Melbourne over these last months, but Paul doesn't see the limitations like, like we may have. He sees them as opportunities to fulfil his purpose and spread the gospel. He was thriving, he saw benefits, he was full of joy, he had a heart full of genuine love for people he hadn't seen in so long, just like we can have for the people we've missed and we haven't been able to see. And he knew that no matter what, that he could trust Jesus with the outcome, that if he kept his heart right and kept seeking God, that Jesus would make a way. Jesus' way would be the best. So as I close, I want to finish with this one scripture from Philippians chapter 1, and it's verse 6. It says this, And I am certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue His work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. If God has begun something in your heart, God will finish it. Hi, I'm Richard Gabakian, pastor of Lifehouse Church. Just wanted to say thank you for listening to this message and I hope and pray that you feel that it's added value to your life. My greatest desire is to see people develop a personal relationship with Jesus, which can begin by praying a very simple prayer. I'm going to pray that prayer right now and if you'd like to begin that relationship, you can just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I choose you as my only hope of being forgiven. Please come into my life and let me begin a relationship with you that will last for all eternity. If you've prayed that prayer, we would love to know about it and celebrate your fantastic decision. You can do that by sending an email to mydecision at lifehouse.com.au. We look forward to hearing from you.